Okay, so, you know, I think, to be honest, you know, there's, there's not a lot to uh, get excited about in this world currently, you know. Uh, I'm sure there might be, might be a few things to spark life or to, you know, to, to give us a spark to life. But sadly, all those things are quickly snuffed out by all the problems that come flooding in with life. Seems like anything seemingly good is quickly criticized and for any number of reasons because people just like to tear things down because they can, because they're angry and they want to drag you down with them. I don't think that's too far from the truth. You know, this world and its constant problems become very, very old very quickly and become wary upon your soul to make you live in frustration and anger and fear and discouragement. You know, you might even wonder at some point, what's the point of caring anymore? Because it seems the more people care about things, the more angry and divisive people become. Which should not be the case, but sadly, that's what is because this world can only give sin and death. So the question becomes, is there anything really to get excited about? To make life enjoyable, to bring hope to the people around you and to bring hope to yourself? Is there anything that can make life renewed day by day so it doesn't become just stale and mundane? Is there anything that can create that fire and, and create that passion within you to look forward to each new morning? Now, with the world so angry and divisive, is there really, truly anything that can refresh your heart, your mind, and your soul so that life does not feel like a burden and just more garbage to wallow through? My friends, I have good news for you. There is something that can uplift you every day, and it's as Paul says in Acts 20, 24, it's the gospel of God's grace. See, as the world is fighting and destroying itself, trying to obtain freedom in the world, the gospel of God's grace says you have been freed from the world if you place your faith in Christ. You're not even concerned about that. You no longer have to obtain anything here. You no longer have the burden of trying to make it in this world. There's no more wayfinding, for there is one way, and his name is Jesus. For it is in Christ alone that we find now our identity, our peace, our hope, our security, our joy, our comfort, our strength, our establishment, our support, our freedom, and our unity. For in Christ, by faith in him, we truly have everything and we find our everything that we will ever need in this world. And I know that sounds abstract to say that in Christ we find our everything and in Christ we have our everything. But what Christ did upon the cross is way bigger than we can fully comprehend. We can comprehend it, but not fully. We can understand it to a point but what Christ has done upon the cross, we can get it. But understand, understand this. 
This gospel of God's grace is something that we will be learning about for eternity. I mean, just look how big that, that Bible is that you have in your hand. Some of you are like, well, I have a digital one. Okay, well, get a real one. You can feel how heavy it is. Well, I have a tiny one. Well, okay. But the point is, there's a lot written in there. And it all ultimately points to and speaks to what God the Father has accomplished through God the Son, which is applied to us through the God the Holy Spirit. The gospel is truly something remarkable because of its divine origin. It's not man-made. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. The gospel is all about God's infinite, inexhaustible, amazing grace over us. So God's grace, as astounding as it is and comforting as it is for us, it can be really hard to fully understand when you start to look at it and chew on it. When you start to unravel the implication of grace, it truly bends your mind. You know, the finite rubber bands that piece our mental capacity together, I, they stretch, and I mean really stretch, when you start to pour the vast ocean of God's grace into our little minds. It becomes perplexing because the grace of God reveals that all has been taken care of in Jesus through faith in him alone and that is it and nothing else will ever be required of you. Romans 4, 5 says, And to the one who does not work but trust him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's not about what you do, but what has been done. It's not about your own blood and sweat. It's about Jesus' blood and sweat. So as foreign then as that concept may be to us, it's so refreshing to rest in, in this exhausting world. God's grace, even if you and I cannot fully comprehend it or understand it, it makes no difference because the gospel of God's grace unabashedly reveals that Jesus has done it all for us in him so we can be at peace and be without fear and be refreshed every day in the gospel truth and face this world with a smile. The gospel truth is that everything that God has ever demanded upon you, those eternal demands, he has provided all of it in Jesus Christ. So now you can just simply rest in him. And the more we learn about then the gospel of God's grace, the more we try to comprehend it and then and go deeper into it, the more refreshed we should become in this debilitating world. For this, for this, well, think of it this way. For the words that Jesus Christ said in John 19.30, it is finished, should give us strength to press on and brighten our lives so we can live proudly and confidently in Jesus Christ by faith in him, no matter what comes our way or what state our life is currently in. So today we're going to look over Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and that's it. So, as our, so we, as our title says, can be refreshed 
by God's grace every day. Refreshed because refreshed by God's grace in this burdensome world which tries so hard to pull us in, tries so hard to pull you in into its exhausting insanity of hatred and divisiveness. We're going to ponder the grace of God and be encouraged in what Christ has done for us and unify under His grace this gospel message of hope and salvation for all people. So then let's look at this text. Paul says in, in verse 4, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, it's important to remember uh, is that Paul is writing to believers who are living in a, div- a divisive world, and that divisiveness was somewhat making its way into the churches, uh, you know, amongst believers, because both Jews and Gentiles were now worshiping together, and they had some different backgrounds, different traditions, and Paul wants them to be unified in Christ as one body. So Paul here is focusing on the unity of their salvation in the Lord, and is wanting them not to take it lightly or think of something and think of it as just something common. But rather, he is wanting them to get caught up in the glory of the gospel and to unify under its amazing, awesome power. And this brings us to our very first point. Be refreshed by God's grace every day by thinking upon your divine summons. Think upon your divine summons. When Paul says he in this passage, he, which is referring to God the Father, chose us. Paul is saying, stop looking to the world for who you are. Stop looking to your past for your identity. Stop looking to the world for anything. You will never find your sense of meaning, your sense of worth in the things around you. For that is not your calling, and that has never been your calling to do so. For God has chosen you in Him, referring to Christ. Chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the world. You are not a common person now that you have faith in Christ. Think about it this way. For you to learn anything about yourself now, you must dwell upon the one who has chosen you. You must see your life in light of of who God is. For he is the one who defines you who you are now. God has had you on his mind way back before time itself and matter existed, the stuff we see, before this universe was created, way back in eternity when there was only God and that was it. Just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who is three persons, not three gods, but one one God, seen in three persons. How that works, I do not know. But back in eternity past, the blessed Trinity was speaking to each other about you. You. Your name was being spoken about. Yes, by God. You, the one who are full of faults and failures. You, with all those horrible sins that you have committed, that you try to keep silent. God was thinking about you and making sure that you would be with him forever. 
For you were chosen by him in his son. So, so now he is the one who defines who you are. Jeremiah 1.5 speaks, speaks something to this in a way. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Now that passage is speaking directly to Jeremiah, but its principles are very much applicable to you and I. Because, what, because of what Paul is saying here in Ephesians verse 4. Before you came into existence, and even though you had no merit before him, even though you, uh, there was nothing worthy in you of his time or thought, God, out of his grace and grace alone, chose you in his son, chose you through Christ's redeeming act on your behalf before you even knew it, because the world was not even made yet. Before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be part of his family, part of his redeeming plan of salvation through his son so you could be with him for eternity. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, didn't I have to choose and place my faith in Christ to be saved? Of course you did. You see that all over scripture. You must choose faith in Christ. For example, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 14, verse 17 says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him who have they not believed? How are they to believe in him who have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But that's not what Paul's worried about or focusing on here in this passage. He's not focusing on the how. He's not focusing how God's sovereignty and man's responsibility work together. No, he's focusing on the what. He's focusing on God's sovereignty in his relationship with you before you knew it, in his loving care over you before you even existed or even cared about it. He's focusing on that. Why? So that you can be confident and empowered to live boldly and peacefully and be refreshed by his grace over you in a broken, wretched, nasty, judgmental, hateful, divisive world that only has one mission, and that mission is to break you down. But God is all about building you up in him before you even knew it. Paul wants you to be refreshed in God's unmerited favor over you in knowing that he had you on his mind in eternity past and he has made sure to provide everything for you in Jesus so that you can be with him forever. God has made sure to provide everything in Jesus to empower you, to get you through this, this world as depraved as it is by his strength and his grace alone, because he knew you could not do it on your own, and you would not do it on your own. So he knew you were not strong enough, so he provided everything for you in Jesus. Now knowing that, that God had an eternal call upon you that will never be taken away, because it was established by his son's blood, which paid for your soul, there are no returns. How can this not refresh your heart and refresh your mind and refresh your soul? How can that not rejuvenate the life back into you to press on in this fallen world? How can that not set you free from any worry or anger or fear in this world? 
chewing on and dwelling on this mystery of God's gracious providence and sovereignty over our salvation is truly a beneficial task for us. Why? Because when the world comes tearing into your heart and mind, when the sins of the past and the present come flooding in with devastating guilt and the failures of life start to consume you, and even when you are faced with death, face to face itself, the only way you will ever combat any of that and not be torn apart is knowing that Christ has conquered it all for you through faith in Him. For you are His chosen. You have a divine summons upon you and nothing can take that away. Being confident in Jesus through faith in Him that it's all upon Him and not upon you. Oh, how refreshing that is. As mysterious as it is. So when the world comes then at you and starts to say you are nothing, when the world and its craziness starts to mess with your mind and make you think you are amounting to nothing because you are not taking a side with the world, you are not agreeing with the world or aligning yourself with the world and its ways, and you start to question yourself, who am I, what am I doing? You can rest fully in knowing that you are a chosen of God through faith in Christ and you need not to be concerned with these worldly vain things because God, not the world, God is the director of and ruler of your life now. And it has always been. For Psalm 139, verse 16 through 17 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Now you may start asking questions like, are you sure, John, Jesus did everything for me through faith in him? Are you sure about that? Because there are some dark things in my past that I am ashamed of. There are things in my life right now that I am struggling with that I just don't know if I'm going to make it into heaven by faith alone. Isn't there something i got to do? Or you might be thinking, I'm not strong like the people around me. And trust me, no one is. They just pretend. But I'm not strong like everyone else around me. I just can't get everything right, John. People point out my failures, and I see them. Are you sure Christ did everything for me by faith in him? I believe in him. I trust in him. But I keep falling into sin. I don't want to, but I keep messing up. You might be saying things like, I keep falling into sins like pride. I keep falling into lust. I keep falling into worry. I keep falling into anger. I keep falling into fear. I keep falling into greed. I keep falling into selfishness and so on and so on and so on. And you might be saying, you know, I try to be nice to that person in my life, that, but he, just, he or she just gets under my skin, and I lose it. I know I shouldn't, 
but I keep fumbling, and I do. I don't know what it is. Or you may be saying or thinking things like, there are people in my life who blame me, and rightfully so for their problems, and I try to make up for it now, but I just can't do it. Every time I try to help, it seems to make things worse, even though now I have faith in Christ. Is there truly any hope for me? Did he really accomplish everything for me? Before God, to make sure that I'll get into heaven by faith alone. There are things in my life that I'm struggling with that I'm afraid that God's going to hold against me that I'm going to have to pay for in the next life because I can't even talk about it with people because they judge me so fast. If I have faith in Christ, Am I really a chosen one of God with all these struggles and failures in my life? Are you sure Jesus did everything for me? How can he not hold these things against me? Well, my friend, Paul has a very refreshing answer for you. And this brings us to our second and last point. Be refreshed by God's grace every day and realize no sin is held against you. For when Paul reveals that we are chosen in Christ, he also reveals the purpose in that choosing. The why he chose us. And that purpose is that we should be holy and blameless before him. And there, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. And why we know that Christ did everything by his grace. God knew your weakness. He knew your sin. He knew your wretchedness. He knew your ignorance. He knew your foolishness. He knew all the wrongs and how completely unholy you would be before him. And also how, how worthy of blame you would be before him. He knew all these things about you. And he did something about it out of his grace towards you. Nothing that you did, but what he did. Where everyone else in your life would leave you because of your personal mistakes that you made. Where even those closest to you would leave you because of all the mistakes and sins that you made against them. God, the very one who you ultimately sin against, did the very opposite of what all and everyone would, anyone would ever expect. God chose you in Christ in eternity past, before the world was made, that you would be holy and blameless before him, before his sight. So put it this way. Because of Christ and Christ alone, his holiness, his blamelessness, is now yours in union with him. Colossians 2, 12, uh, 13 through 14, Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of us of our trespasses by canceling the debt, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God chose you to make sure you had no blame before him. He chose you to make sure that you were not condemned before him. For God no longer sees you as blameworthy anymore, for Christ took all the blame for you. He took all your sins so you could be holy before God. 
He has declared you legally righteous now before God through faith in Jesus. Christ's righteousness is seen as your righteousness before God, and God in eternity past made sure all of this would happen for you. All your guilt, all your shame are no longer upon you, but has been placed upon Christ. That that was the plan that was made in eternity past, that was executed so that you could be saved through faith in Christ. What could ever stop him from saving you and keeping you saved? Nothing. For God is truly greater than all of our sin. Your name was on his mind. He came to save his people from sin and death and the wrath to come and to secure your salvation, to give you eternal life. And Jesus accomplished that mission upon the cross. He said, it is finished. It is done. The debt is paid. And Christ will see it through. In John 6, 37 through 40, Jesus speaks of this and says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me, chosen in Christ. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should, I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up in the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have ever eternal lasting life. And I will, not maybe, not hopefully, not I think, he says, I will raise him up on the last day. What that means then, if you have faith in Christ, life is no longer a bummer. Life for you is no longer a burden. You have this divine calling upon you, no matter if no one else sees it. God sees it, for you are his chosen, and he holds nothing against you now that you're in Christ by faith. God only has gracious love for you. That's it. He sees you as one who is uncommon from the world. He sees you now as holy and blameless before him because you have a union in Christ through faith in him. Christ's blood has covered your past your present and future sin. So you are never abandoned. You are never alone. You are never on your own in this world. You belong to God and he is with you. Though this world will tell you otherwise and say that you are alone and it all depends on you. That's not true for you. That's a lie. For you are a chosen of God. Everything that depended upon you was placed upon Christ. And he did it all for you by faith in him. God cares for you and, had, and has had your back before you even knew him. But he knew you. He always knew you. He loved you while you were a sinner and made the arrangements to send his son to save you so you could experience and know his love from eternity even when you did not want it. God did it out of his grace. Now again, you might think, well, didn't I have to make a choice to accept it by faith? Of course you did, but that's not what Paul is speaking about here. Rather, he is speaking to believers 
to focus their hearts and minds on God's grace over them, to remind them of the freedom they have in this world so they can be refreshed by His grace over them and remember that life is no longer and has never been dependent upon them, but upon Christ in whom they believe. When we focus on that, the gospel of God's grace, the grace in our life, it only naturally uplifts us from the hate, uplifts us, uplifts us from the fear, from the pride, uplifts us from the doubt and the worry, uplifts us from the nastiness and the divisiveness in this world because we know that all has been accomplished by Jesus. So this helps us then, even with our weakest and smallest faith, it helps us go to Him to repent of our sins because He has conquered all of our sins. Because that was His mission over us. We are His chosen. He will make sure to see it to the end. That's why we go to Him. We go to, Lord, help me repent. We don't clean ourselves up and then go. We go to Him by faith to clean us up. And Christ will see it through. For Hebrews 12, 2 says, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. So when life gets you down, remember you're chosen of God and he finds no blame in you even if the world does. And that is the message to bring to the world around us and to unite us and them. That Christ has done it all. We and they just need to place our faith in Christ. And we all can have hope, joy, peace, and unity and true freedom. No matter what the case may be in your life. So in summary, in dwelling and being refreshed by the grace of God over you, one person said this, when you know that God accepts you, you are free from needing anybody else to accept you. When you know that God will never kick you out of his circle, you are free from needing others to let you into theirs. Refresh yourself in God's grace every day. Because it's only by His grace and grace alone that you will overcome this world and its bondage of hate and divisiveness. For God's grace is the answer we all need and what this world needs. And I want to invite you here today, if you don't know Jesus, come to Him. For He has done everything for you. Make that decision today. Because if you don't, as one person I heard said, time will make that choice for you. And as one person said, time is always against you. But God isn't. And if you do know him, be refreshed in his grace. Lay down those stresses, those worries, those hate. Lay it at the cross. And just smile because Jesus loves you. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful passage of knowing that we have been chosen, Lord. And that's nothing to take lightly, but something we can dwell in no matter where we are, whether we're in the hospital bed, whether we're alone at home, whether if we're in our bed in the middle of the night freaking out about tomorrow, we can rest knowing that Jesus 
loves us and we are his chosen by faith in him. God, there are, I know there are people that are struggling here. I know there are people that are struggling online. I know that there are people who are dealing with worry, doubt, and fear, and concern, and, and maybe even hate. God, I pray that you go to them and expose to them the sin of all of that and to say that Jesus has done it all. Remind them of that grace. And those of you who don't know you, I pray that come to know that grace. Open their eyes, open their hearts. So they'll come to know you. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for the gospel. Because, Lord, without it, there's nothing in this world. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.